Amen. All right, well, I want to invite you to turn in your worship guide, if you have one, to page 12. If you don't have a worship guide, you can turn in your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 11, which is my primary passage. I have a secondary passage in the book of Acts, which I will also be reading from, from chapter 2. But the primary passage will be Genesis chapter 11, uh, beginning in verse 1. So would you listen now with open ears as I read these words from the book that we love? Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come and let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down, and there confuse their language, so they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth. And they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Turning now to Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak to, in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Meds, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya, beginning, belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. All were amazed and perplexed and said to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking them said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke, and the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. 
before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to this time and we sit under these words. And Lord, we come to this time uh, coming from all kinds of different places, I do recognize. Some of us come here and our lives are in a good place. Lord, we come here uh, filled up with blessings. Others of us come here and it feels as though we are driving on empty. Lord, some of us come here with bodies that are functioning at peak performance. Others of us come here uh, and we are filled with pain. Some of us are not sleeping at night. Some of us are dealing with addiction and anxiety uh, and chronic pain. Lord, others of us come here full of faith in you and full of hope in you and looking forward to what you will say in the scriptures this morning. Others of us come here uh, overwhelmed with doubt in you. Some of us even convinced that you're not real, that these words are not true, uh, that these are but myths and stories. God, whatever place we find ourselves in, whether we are here uh, in joy or in sadness, whether we are here uh, in faith or in doubt, uh, whether we are here uh, loving you or despising you, pray that you would give us grace to see that in the way that matters the most, that we all come ultimately the same. We've all come in this room with an overwhelming and an unrelenting need to hear from you, to know you, to be changed by you. I pray that you would open our eyes, give us grace to see that in the way that matters the most, that you have addressed this need in the person and the work and the healing power of Jesus Christ, in whose name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to Ironworks. My name is Darren, and I serve as one of the pastors here. We do have another pastor who is traveling the world on adventures as we speak. We're looking forward to him being back, hopefully pretty soon. And we are in a sermon series uh, that we're calling Friend of Sinners. How do you have friendship with others who are different than you, particularly when you happen to be a sinner and when the other person happens to be a sinner? Right? That's the, the premise of the sermon series. And we've looking at, been looking at all kinds of different case studies for when this happens to be true. And today, I want to look at a case study that I am particularly burdened about in our present time uh, that I've been really stewing over for quite some time, quite many months, until um, I finally couldn't take it anymore and had to preach on this. Um, and I hope that it uh, ends up blessing you. That is uh, very much my heart and my desire, uh, as I feel as though this is bubbling up to be a massive issue in our world and in our country uh, and in Christendom in general, and is suffering from a lack of leadership such that I have never seen in my life, and that is the issue of what I am calling cultural distance or cultural hostility and trying to have friendship in the midst of that. Okay, how do you have friendship 
when there is a cultural distance, right? That's where we are in our country. This is happening across races. It's happening across political affiliation. It's happening across theological affiliation. It's happening across socioeconomic status. It is happening across what you think about coronavirus. It is happening across all kinds of different spectrums. And my heartbeat is, right, I want to see ironworks rise to a place of leadership in Phoenixville. I don't uh, you know, we're not called to, you know, to, to be something for the rest of the country, right? But we are called to rise to a place in Phoenixville where there is an absolute profound lack of leadership overall and to be a blessing to this town to try to create friendships that are based on Christian faith that present a contrast to what the world is absolutely incapable of doing in this time and space. Okay, that is the heartbeat of this sermon series, right? If we are successful in doing this, this will be accompanied with gospel power, which is our mission, okay? Frankly, we have not been doing a great job at this over the last year, okay? That, that is just the, the honest truth. We have suffered from this. The the virus, everything else, we have, we have not, we, we are in need of a little correction, brothers and sisters, no offense. By the way, I want, want to tell you that I have regained a little bit of, um, I have, I'm repenting of the sin of fear this morning, so I want to tell you two things, okay? I love you, and I'm sorry for offending you, okay? Two things, I love you, and I'm sorry for offending you, so we'll get that out of the way. I have had a recent repenting of fear, so I'm sorry, and you're welcome, and I, you know, all that, okay? So if I offend you, which I probably will, you know, you're welcome, and I'm sorry, whatever, whichever way you, you receive that, okay? No, I'm serious. I want to say a couple things related to that, and I want to actually, do, I want to make a genuine confession on this point, okay? One of the things that uh, I've, you know, one of the sins that I have, and this is a serious point, I'm not actually making a joke. One of the sins that I have as a person and as a pastor that I have had to genuinely repent from, okay, as your pastor, those of you who are, you know, call Ironworks your home church, right, one of the sins that I've had that I've had to genuinely repent from is the sin of fear, okay, and this has been a real challenge over the last 12 months because the stakes have been very high, right? You make a wrong decision with coronavirus and you might cause a world, you know, a community outbreak and end up on CNN or something, right? I mean, it's like, you know, Darren, what are we going to do about the common cup? And I don't know, we might have like 10,000 cases of coronavirus, right? This is like different than the decision of like, are we going to play a hymn or a praise chorus, right? <laughs> this is not, you know, typical seminary decision making here, right? These are, these are, this has been a tough season. Uh, and likewise, uh, as we have um, been walking through some of these, these national discussions, we have been in a season of fear. I, you know, my heart was broken the other day and has been broken over uh, just the national conversation that's been having around racism, right? Particularly as I've learned what uh, both my African-American brothers and sisters and my Asian brothers and sisters have been facing. I learned on Friday that there is a significant exodus from New York City of Asian brothers and sisters 
because they no longer feel safe, because they're getting attacked on a regular basis. Does anyone know that? There's actually like this increase of physical violence and they are leaving New York City in significant numbers. Right, as I've talked to African-American brothers and sisters, I have learned of all kinds of pain that I did not appreciate, um, that has broken my heart um, over the past uh, year, 12, 18 months, uh, that I have come to appreciate in, in greater degree uh, that I did not know, did not understand, did not appreciate in, in times past. Um, I had hoped when I started having children that for my children that racial issues would be a thing that I would tell them about as though it were a thing in the past. I spoke to a teenager the other day, teenager, current day teenager, and teenager said to me, you know, hung out with, you know, family of a different, uh, different racial background, and I was so afraid the whole time that I was going to say or do something wrong, I was on eggshells the entire time. I was so terrified of saying or doing something inappropriate the entire time, I was on absolute eggshells, right? And I think, that's, I think that, that broke my heart, right? That we are, we are in a season that is not uh, what God is intending. And what also breaks my heart is there is no leadership at all, or at least there's not the right leadership. No one has a way forward, for, at least from my perspective. Maybe I'm wrong about this. I do not hear, I have been keeping my mouth shut, waiting for someone to lead, someone to tell us this is how we move forward because I do not feel like I know very much about these things. So I've been keeping my mouth shut saying, please, someone lead us, I will follow. You know, I'm not an expert in these things, I don't know very much. Someone tell us, and I just keep my mouth shut, waiting, 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 and it doesn't happen. So finally, um, it's come to the point where uh, I have turned to the scriptures and I want to offer you a humble offering from the scriptures. Don't pretend that this is going to be you know, a comprehensive uh, presentation, but it is a humble offering that I hope will bless you, and I hope will move things forward at least a little bit, okay? Couple of observations. Number one, we are living in a culture of fear right now, at least, at least I am. This sermon is part of my repentance of saying, I have acted out of fear, meaning I've kept my mouth shut a lot because I'm afraid of saying the wrong things. I'm afraid of violating rules. I, the rules are changing every day, right? And I'm saying, I, I, what, you know, I, don't, I don't know. I don't keep up. I got kicked off of Facebook, by the way. Just so you know, if I'm going to criticize people post on Facebook, I got kicked off, so I don't even know what all y'all are posting anymore, <laughs> right? I can't even get back on. Zuckerberg won't let me back on. I've uploaded my passport, and I'm like, I have no idea what all y'all are posting. So, you know, if, if you think I'm criticizing you, like, I have no idea. But, um, yeah, that's, that's for another, that's for another, uh, I've actually feel great being off Facebook. It's like really, it's like one of the best things ever to happen to me, getting kicked off. But, um, yeah, we're in a culture of fear, you know, as I've been on social media, you know, it's like the rules keep changing. I don't really know, you know, things are, are, are coming at me a mile a minute. Um, and I've had a moment of repentance where I've said, you know, I am called to pastor people to please the Lord, to act out of courage, to see that we move forward to the degree that we can, right? Again, I don't promise that this is going to be, um, this is going to be comprehensive by, by any sense, but it is my hope to offer to you whatever humble 
um, contribution this can be in hopes that it will bless you, that it will bless our brothers and sisters of, of color, that it will bless our brothers and sisters of, of Asian background in particular who are going through a hard time at this moment, that it will move the conversation forward uh, as best we can. Um, couple observations as we begin. Number one, uh, in this season, part of what is making this difficult is that you know, we've had a number of issues happen over the last you know, 12 months, right, with some high-profile um, events take place, George Floyd, obviously, um, Dante Wright, number of, of high-profile police brutality cases um, or cases that, uh, you know, we're not sure what's going on. And then we have a whole lot of discussion that happens after those cases that then becomes a lot of debate that goes far beyond the events themselves. Let me give you an example, right? So the George Floyd uh, events happen, and, and I think our collective hearts were, were, generally speaking, overwhelmed and absolutely broken by the events that happened in Minneapolis, right? Absolutely. Mine was, at least, okay? So overwhelmed and broken and, and desiring justice and desiring healing and desiring change, and that's, you know, everyone, everyone is in that place. And then all of a sudden, you know, shortly while later, the conversation goes from, you know, we need justice, we need change, we need healing, to all of a sudden, we need to change the budget on the police department, right? We need a budgetary change. And all of a sudden, I mean, I, I do budgets for ironworks, you know, well, now our chief of staff does when she's not with child, right? And, and she does because I do not like doing budgets, right? And so now you're asking me to be in charge of the police budget again, right? Now this, now this national conversation says, Darren, you know, you gave the Ironworks budget away, so, but now, you know, you need to take on the police budget. You have to now think about that. To which I say, look, I already gave away the Ironworks budget. I don't want to think, you know, like, I don't know what the Phoenixville PD budget should be. Like, how am I supposed to figure that out? And now the conversation says, if you don't agree with the budgetary particular matters, right, you're a racist. To which I say, but I don't have no idea what the budget should be. I have no idea. Like, how am I supposed to know that? Right? And now the conversation goes to, if you don't submit to this very complicated discussion point, right, there's a problem with you. And again, I'm not here going to tell you what you should or shouldn't think about a police budget because I have no idea, right? I, I have not looked into this. Maybe you have. Maybe you're an expert in public policy. I worked in New York City government for four years, and I can tell you it is not an area that I wish to, you know, specialize in. I worked for the Department of Transportation. I worked for the Office of Emergency Management. I did a small stint with the NYPD that was not particularly pleasant, okay? I, I, I did bid on a project for the sanitation department that we did not win, okay? And I did also work a little bit for the office of the mayor. Do not wish to engage in this, okay? Because I don't know. I don't know this particular point, but my point is that what I think is happening in some of these discussions is that the discussion goes from a point of agreement to something much wider and much bigger that most of us are not really equipped 
to have this discussion. And so what, what is going on here? Well, what I think is going on is it's to some extent that this is, there's an issue that we agree with, and now it's becoming kind of a power struggle on top of that that says you must submit. You must submit to supporting this policy that you really are not prepared to engage in, right? Budgetary particulars, right? I mean, what, what budget should the police have? Should it be this or that? I don't know. I honestly, like, I've thought about it, and I do not know what it should be. And I'm not, and I'm not prepared to, to, deal with, to deal with that, right? And, and, and as I've stepped back, what I've observed is that there's been a number of opportune outside forces that have come in. One of the, the other folks, the other um, group that I've heard from is actually brothers and sisters from Eastern Europe, right? So if, if you've ever talked to brothers and sisters from Eastern Europe, right, another group that's experienced some difficult things, what they're saying is they're saying, look, we're concerned about racial justice, but we see outside groups seeking to take advantage of this pain to bring in, you know, patterns of oppression that we've experienced in Eastern Europe to the U.S. that we are really concerned about here and we think are really alarming and we're really concerned about that. We've experienced this in Eastern Europe, and we are really concerned they're going to bring this in here. And, and, and so it becomes really, really complicated. And so my only point is that what ends up happening is that when you add all of these outside forces together, it becomes really hard to have a conversation with a person, right? Because all of a sudden, if you don't stand up and support the statement, you know, do you agree to this budget or not? Right? You're labeled. You're labeled one way. Or if you do support the budget, you know, you're, you're labeled another way. And very quickly, what's the net effect of that? Again, I'm not here, I'm not going to tell you from the pulpit you should support this position or that. That would be absolutely inappropriate. Okay? What I will tell you is if you participate in that kind of like shouting from the sidelines activity. Right? If you participate in that kind of shouting from the sidelines, demanding that everyone submit to something very, very, very unnuanced, right? you know what's going to happen? You're not going to make any progress with having like a real friendship conversation with another human being who thinks differently than you. Okay? Maybe, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that's going to be the net effect, and that has been the net effect. That is what has happened. Right? It is exactly what has happened is that friendship is at an all-time low across the spectrum, and it breaks my heart. So, is there any hope for us? Is there any hope for Christ's church? Is there any way forward? Well, I think that there is. I hope that there is. I think that the, the passage will offer us a little bit of a way forward want to offer it to you in Jesus' name. So let's look at it in the brief time that we have. First point, what is the cause of cultural aggression? What is the source of it? Well, look at the passage with me. The origin of culture is actually given to us in this passage, isn't it? Right, so Genesis 11, I've been really enjoying the book of Genesis recently. I'm going through, my, going through with my little, my little guy, the book of Genesis, and it's really fun, by the way, to go through a book of the Bible with a nine-year-old you, you notice all kinds of little things that you never see before. So we're going through the book of Genesis, my nine-year-old and I, really slow, and you notice all kinds of little things. Genesis chapter 11, we get the origin of culture. 
why do we have different cultures? Answer, because in chapter 8, which I didn't put in your reading, God decides that he's never going to flood the world again, right? So we have the worldwide flood with Noah. Why do we have a worldwide flood? Anyone remember? Anyone remember why we have a worldwide flood? Any Bible people here? Yes, young man. High five. Yes, he said, because, in my words, because the thoughts of man were evil continually. That's basically what he was saying. AKA Genesis 8:21, because the thoughts of man were evil all the time. Right? So he says, because the thoughts of man were evil all the time, I'm going to flood the world and start over with a family, Noah and his sons and their wives and the animals. Okay? So then. He does that, and then he makes a covenant with Noah where he says, I'm never going to flood the world again. But then in 821, after he makes the covenant, he says, I'm never going to flood the world again, even though the thoughts of man are evil all the time. So God decides that he's not going to judge the world, even though there's, there's this problem of evil in the world all the time. Okay. So then, fast forward to chapter 11. What happens? Well, man, being in the image of God, discovers technology, right? We discover technology in the form of bricks, right? That's what's going on here. Man discovers how to bake bricks. So they get together and they say, oh, we know how to make bricks. Now we can build a tower. And, you know, because if you read chapter 11, it seems a little petty, doesn't it? God's like, Oh, that's nice. That's cute. They're building a tower. How nice. It's kind of like your kid. Mommy, I'm going to build a tower. How fun. And you're like, oh, that's cute, honey. But what is, what is actually happening here? God says, if they're unified, there's nothing they can't do. When you, when you read that, it, it feels kind of weird. It feels petty. But you have to read it alongside chapter 8, verse 21, that says every single thought is evil all the time. So what is God doing in chapter 11? He is putting in a mitigation to the evil of man's heart. And he's saying, I'm going to create cultures that can't understand each other so as to limit the evil that is deep inside man's heart. So he scatters people across the world. He makes it difficult for them to understand each other. Why? So that they don't create unfathomable evil. Right? What's the problem with it, though? Answer, they create evil against each other. It's kind of the problem. And, that's, you know, and how do we know that? Just read the Old Testament. Most of the Old Testament is them all committing evil against each other. Most of the world's history is them committing evil against each other. Right? Every nation, every place, people across cultures commit evil against each other. Uh, and it's where we are. Why do they do that? What's their root sin that's at work in Genesis chapter 11, what's the root sin in racism? Anyone know? What's the root sin behind racism? What's the root sin in Genesis chapter 11? What's behind it all? Anyone know? Yes, ma'am. Huh? Culture's not a sin, honey. But that was a good try. Right? Yes, it's, it's the sin of pride. Look at it in chapter 11. 
I will make a name for myself. That's what they say. We will make a name for ourselves. We will build this tower. We will make a name. We will create a monument. So the sin of pride comes before uh, the creation of, you know, the people groups. And so pride is before it's all. By the way, you want to know what else pride was before? It was before Satan, right? Before the, it was before the fall of Satan, right? Satan, Satan's fall was a fall of pride, right? And so pride is ultimately the sin that is underneath and undergirds racism. And by the way, I do harp on social media all the time. And I am not on Facebook to see the junk that some of you are posting, right? But God is, okay? I just want to tell you, right? I'm not on there anymore, praise the Lord, but stop posting the junk you're posting, okay? And here's what I wanted to say, right? Here's a great test for, uh, for, for whether you should post something or not, right? Is what you're posting making you sound good? If it is, if you're posting something that makes another person sound bad and you sounding smart or clever, right? Just hover over that delete button and click it right? And say, praise you, Lord. Just, just do it. Just write in your mind. You, in fact, you can go delete past posts during the sermon. That's okay with me. I don't mind, right? And, I, and I'm dead serious right now. If you are posting something that I don't care, you know, I shouldn't say I don't, shouldn't say I don't care, but it, you might, if you, are, if you are posting something that I agree with, right? Right? If you are defending Elon Musk, Against, you know, who again, space is very close to my passion. Against those who would attack him. And you're posting a zinger, right? Again, del- you know, delete that, okay? Right? Don't participate in that. Why? Because can't you see that this is creating the breakdown in relationships? Right? Why are we as a culture so messed up right now? Because we have these outside forces, right, that are leveraging these absolute atrocities to uh, advance agendas at the expense of other people that is coming at the expense of relationships, right? That's what's happening, and the church is actually playing into it all the time. And we, as Ironworks Church, have the opportunity to say enough is enough, we will not do it. How do we do that? How do we escape this reality? Is there a way to escape it? Well, I think there is. I think this passage will tell us how to do it. We see it in Acts 2. Is there any way to escape sort of the way of this world at this time? I think there is. I think it's given to us in Acts 2. You see, God dealt with the issue of evil and the issue of pride through separating people, giving them the ability not to understand each other, But then he begins to reverse that in Acts chapter 2. Why does he do that? Well, I think he does that because he does that through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, if you have God's Holy Spirit, right, what's one thing you, you by definition have when you have the Holy Spirit? What's one thing you have when you have the Holy Spirit? Answer? You have a heavenly humility. You have the ability to truly seek the good 
of another person that you would not have apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when the Holy Spirit is poured out upon this group at the day of Pentecost, and they can all of a sudden break through the curse of Babel and understand each other with tongues of fire, and this curse is being reversed, and and one day we will have the vision of heaven where every tribe and every tongue will gather around the throne in this most glorious multicultural worship where everyone will come and sing the praises of God together, and there will be no hostility. Everyone will understand each other perfectly. Everyone will worship together unified in absolute glory where we will no longer be tossed to and fro from every wind of doctrine, but we will in absolute unity worship the Son of God together. What's going on with that? Answer, it's the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. So that means, therefore, that if we want to move forward in this issue, the way that we will do it is through the humility that only the Spirit can give. Right? You want to move forward in this? You want to seek that? It's not going to happen by posting zingers, right? That's not going to to move anything forward at all. The way that you're going to move forward is by joining, join me in crying out for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and go find someone really different than you and say, help me to understand where you're coming from and can I share with you the things that I'm concerned about as well? Let's go have a face-to-face conversation, right? And let's sharpen each other. I'm not telling you to put away the things that you're concerned about, that you are, uh, you know, that you're passionate about. Don't hear me saying that. But I'm saying have those conversations in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a great, um, I want to give you this verse, it's so helpful. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22, he says this. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, um, faithfulness, self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. And then here's the key phrase. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. Isn't Isn't that interesting? The main injunction of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is summarized there in the injunction to humility. You want the Holy Spirit? You want to know what that looks like? Answer, it looks like humility. It looks like a kind of love that the world just cannot understand. And if we embrace him, if we cry out to him, if we go after him, we will be different in a way that is not normal. And we will turn our focus to mission to this city and it will scratch its head and puzzle, and I believe we will have real spiritual power. I want to turn to this table. I want to close um, with uh, Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, where he says this. He says, let each one of you, each one of you, look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. The same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, But he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, being found in human form, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess 
that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The way of Christ is the way of humility. Let us follow in that way. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Father God, we do praise you. Holy Spirit, we do adore you. And I pray that you would create in us a movement uh, that would be helpful to the city, that would be healing to those who are hurting, that would move this conversation forward, uh, and that would ultimately bless you, uh, that would honor you, uh, that would bless uh, our brothers and sisters, particularly who are in pain, uh, that would uh, correct uh, teaching and movements that are oppressive. Uh, and we pray that you would be so pleased to bring spiritual renewal and revival to our town because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.